I am Plata on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. The renowned textile artist Wendy Van Riesen joins me now. After 16 years of design and fabrication, Wendy is retiring. I'll ask her about her art practice and the ethical way she goes about upcycling and handmaking. We'll also discuss her collaboration with Haida artist Reg Davidson. I interviewed Reg back in 2016 when their collection was launched as part of uh, Echo Fashion Week. Wendy will be at the uh, 2023 Circle Craft Holiday Market starting this Wednesday, the 8th of November, through to Sunday, the 12th of November. She'll have uh, Dahlia Drive's last 100 garments for sale. And if you've got a Dahlia Drive piece from the last 16 years, you're invited to wear it to the Vancouver Convention Center West. Visit circlecraft.ca for tickets and information. We taped this interview last week. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Wendy Van Riesen. Ms. Van Riesen, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, so I've reached in Powell River, and, and um, that, that's been your home, I think you mentioned, about five years now. Is that right? Yes, we moved five years ago. I, I read somewhere, or I, I must have heard, that, that um, you lived on a houseboat for a while. Is that right? A sailboat. I, oh, a sailboat. Pardon me. So for, for 10 years, from 2010 to, or no, see, eight years. From 2010 to 2018, we lived in Mosquito Creek on a sailboat. Ah, and then you had your studio close by, or did you work on on a board? Say, no, I, we yeah uh, we we purchased a studio um, in as part of a complex, uh-huh. and so um, we bought that in 2012. So I've been working there. I worked there until 2018 when we moved here to Powell River, and then we built a studio for me here out of the sheds that existed on the property. I see. Yeah, um, I'm fascinated where artists work, and so how have you how have you been able to find it? Say, moving from one place to another, does it become like home quickly, or, or is that something that you have to say um, to, to to work at it a long time that then it feels like home? Oh, I think it. I miss my old studio for different reasons. I had more space to print there, and I was inside um, exclusively. But I really love being here and having my studio just outside of my home. Mm. So it's just a walk away. And I tend to be someone, uh, my husband always thinks I'm quite inefficient because I'll, I'll be painting away and then I'll have to go cross or outside to where some of the brushes are to come back all the way in to use that brush. And he's curious as to why I'm not more um, uh, sort of factory oriented, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And that, it's all part of the process. There is something about the walk from I have one studio space downstairs in the house and then I have another one outside um, in a shed. And so walking between the two spaces in this beautiful place I live is part of the process. And so when you're working, when you're in your in your workspace, um, do you have music going on? I mean, being, you know, in any sort of artistic endeavor, a lot of it is, is say, by yourself and solitary. Um, how, how do you feel the the, the spaces that that, um, that just say empty without sound? Yes, I'm not um, I'm not one for a lot of just music. I will listen to CBC uh-huh. uh, quite a bit, and then if there's certain programs like Tapestry that I like, I'll just listen to those those programs. And then when I get a bit tired of hearing things, I just um, I go for the quiet. Yeah. Um, so, do you find noise? In terms of your work as an artist, do you, do you find uh, whatever noise it is, whether it's talk or music, say, is that distracting to, to the artistic process? No, um, 
No, not if it's conversations that I'm like dropping in on or mm. eaves, like eavesdropping on. But if I'm, a, but an audiobook I can't do, for instance. Uh, it takes too much concentration in the book to really hear it. I feel like I'm missing a lot of the intention of the author if I'm listening to it and doing my own work. And if if the work that I'm doing is quite picky, yeah. if I if it needs more um, intention, then I will turn off all sound. The thing that struck me as I was looking back at your work, Wendy, is is that um, you know these these pieces um, that you've created for Dahlia Drive, they're they're not just clothes, say. I mean, they're they're pieces of art, and yet consciously you you um, thought about functionality as well. I mean, they're they're pieces of clothing that are uh, easy to don, say, and and um, uh, that are useful. Uh, are, are all of these things, you know, these are these are different things that you've thought about, right? When you, when in, when creating a piece of say clothing. Yes, absolutely. I I appreciate your comment. I think that um, I had my origins were as an actor telling stories um, and essentially telling other people's stories, mm. right? And then when we had on uh, a different boat than the one we lived on, we'd gone to Alaska with our children. Um, I, that was a transformational time for me as far as storytelling goes in this vast um, northern <laughs> world yeah. that's out there. And so um, I decided that I didn't want to tell uh, other people's stories anymore, and I decided to leave acting. And, um, and then I ended moving up into, uh, in, into textiles and going to school. Um, and when I was, so when I was learning textiles, I realized that I didn't want to return to a kind of gallery setting, mm -hmm. similar to being on stage, to being viewed as a piece of art, that I wanted to be something that was more, um, something that people could use. Yeah. And, um, and so then I looked around me and I realized that I had collected slips. They are, I'm in my 60s, late 60s now, so slips were part of my youth and my grandmother and my mother. And I had a lot of them, and I decided that I would start printing on those because they had their own story that they brought to me. And now with surface design techniques, I could, um, I could add to their story that already existed. So there was always this consciousness that I didn't really want to go back into a, a, a something item on the wall, and that female form was very important to me. So telling stories about that was important. And moving on, then I started using curtain shears instead of slips yeah. because there was a plethora of those in um, the store, secondhand stores. Yeah. And I realized that I, they, I could also print on. So they also fed into that story of, of intimacy, um, of, of translucence, of um, the shape of a woman, let's say, underneath a cloth, but now it's underneath. It's like, um, it's like the looking in the window like a shear would normally do, where you see the shapes, but you don't see all of, of the, the busyness of the home, right? Yeah. And so this became a great um, item for me to be able to print on and create clothing for women where the woman was the, um, <clears throat> not the statue, but was like a living, the, the, the living structure, yeah. and the clothing then flowed around them. And Reg's work really worked well with that because the stories of of the um, indigenous um, 
animals and all of that story are living stories. They're not dead stories. And so they're constantly in motion and they're always in movement. So then the clothing did this and over the female form. So yeah, it, it was, it was all conscious in, yeah. in a way. It takes a great eye, though. I mean, to see to, to see uh, curtain shears. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think now of, of anybody that I know who still has curtain shears in their house because they uh-huh. switched over to blinds or something like that. Um, I remember growing up, our, our house. Uh, you know, we had the, the uh, very thick curtains, and then the shears were always in front. Yeah. Um, the, um, so when you when you see those, say in in abundance at, at the at the thrift store or at secondhand store, um, it must there must be something in your eye that, that that sort of clicked, and you thought, "Well, hey, I could do something with this." I mean, that that sort of creativity. Where does that come from? Do you think? Well, I think that that came from the fact that the dyes that I like to use, that I'm able to paint onto paper and then heat press into uh, f- fiber, which is um, the most creative, I think, of all the surface design uh, techniques that I I learned, um, had to happen on synthetic materials. So I always had an eye out for what uh, what there was a plethora of yeah. that I could then print on, and it that was abun- they were abundant. People were getting rid of shears, and there were many, many there. So that started it. But then I, I started using the shears. I got someone to help me with pattern making, and then with the sewing. And I realized that the shears that were in the stores often had been, of course, sun affected. Yeah. And weren't strong, and that's when I um, then searched out roll-ins from large manufacturers who would make them for mm. Pan Pacific or something. Yeah. And, but their 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 die lots aren't the same, so they can't use the end of rolls. But I could, so they were going to be thrown out. But uh, um, the die the die coloring doesn't matter to me. It's the, it's just the base that I'm looking for. Yeah. So I lost a little bit of the storytelling in that because when I used to get ones from the thrift store <clears throat> like the slip dresses they would also bring their own story yeah. those like the sun on them or maybe the cat had scratched a certain <laughs> part of the yeah, ear yeah. and I could use that in my storytelling right so uh, it ended up that without those now using roll-in I could make more for cheap I could make more structures for cheaper uh-huh. which was good um, but I lost the any story that the, that particular shear was giving me. So um, uh, the story all came from me onto it, if that makes sense. The, yeah, now the canvas yeah. is blank. And then you infuse it with your own your own story, your own craft even, right? That's right. Or yeah. with Reg's uh, influence. I was, I was also influenced by the structure that was created because I would print them after they were made. Mm. So they were... They were white tiers that were sewn into white structures, and I would print on them in the round, essentially. You mentioned slips a moment ago, and it reminded me of a, uh, an incident that happened I, I, this past summer when I was on break from the show. I um, frequented thrift stores looking for books and DVDs and the sort, and uh, I was standing around, and, and a lady, uh, an older lady, uh, came in and, and asked the... Uh, the, the volunteer at the at the front desk if if they sold any slips and um there was a, the, she was told no they don't and then uh, this, this this melancholy uh, uh sounding 
woman said, I guess people don't wear them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And they then, don't. And I had to look up what a slip was because I'm, I'm 41 and, and um, none of the, the females in my life wear them anymore. And so I had no, to remind that's myself. that's a shame. I'm just going to tell you. That's a shame. <laughs> because they were, they were, they're so beautiful and lacy, uh-huh. right? And they're so um, intimate. And, um, and they're, yeah, they were, they were made um, specifically to, um, to stretch over the female form, uh-huh. right? And be unnoticeable when they wore their dress over top. So their dress would then slip, essentially, mm-hmm. over their skin, didn't get stuck or anything. I mean, that was really important in those days because there weren't a lot of stretch clothing. Most clothing was had no stretch to it. So anything that was made for a woman, right, would be made quite um, tailored. Yeah. So it was really important to have something underneath that allowed that that to have a little bit of give over the woman's body. So anyway, yes, slips are, are um, they have been... I mean, I, when I first started making them in 2003, there there were, um, or five, I should say, uh-huh. there were a number of uh, movies and things that had women in slip dresses, right? And it's become more more accepted, right, yeah. of course, that there's um, there are obviously more intimate um, apparel worn out in, in the world. But that was, it was because of that uh, that I ended up printing skeletons on them as dresses uh-huh. because if if uh, if they used to be worn under but now that we were boring we were wearing them out what was under that yeah, yeah. so bones innards I was really interested in Leonardo uh, da Vinci at that time yeah so you'll be at uh, Circle Craft Fair shortly um, and um, one of the things that um, you're, you're hoping for is that the people who, who bought Dahlia Drive creations over the years will don them and, and uh, um, you'll be able to see them, I guess. It's a sort of a reunion, if you will. What's it like to see, say, something you've created out in the world? Oh, it's it's awesome. Because it was always created to be um, a lived-in um, uh, garment, uh-huh. right? Or it was meant to be out in the world. So, And it really, and I firmly believe that it isn't, really finished until it's dawned. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's the final, that's its final form of where what it was always inspired to be. And you can sort of tell as soon as somebody puts it on, um, whether they they light up, right? Yeah. When they see themselves or when they feel it, or when they don't, you can you can tell that it's kind of, now it's theirs. And so I've, I feel like I've traveled the world, because I'll get people that'll you know, gone on Antarctica trips or something, and um, and then then that that's kind of even <clears throat> beyond the uh, working with Reg and feeling like the designs that he has created are now also traveled, well traveled, where people feel like they're representing Canada by wearing one of Reg's pieces. Mm-hmm. And initially, like in 2016, I would have a lot of people coming up and asking if they could wear a garment with. Um, an, an indigenous raven right. dancing on it, and I'd say yes because it, this is this is not um, ceremonial wear. This is celebration of an art form, yeah. right? Yeah. That rep, that has huge history and represents um, deep stories about our landscape. So there was a whole nother uh, layer that I was really happy with sharing with Reg about our indigenous people. 
Where did the name Dahlia Drive come from? Well, the street of my childhood. Ah. So I was born. I was born, and my family moved on to Dahlia Drive um, when I was born in 1955. Uh-huh. And so, um, so that, I lived there till I was nine, and then I moved to Canada. So it has a uh, strong memories for me, and I, I also. Um, did a little bit of research about the area, and there were um, indigenous people there that were all uh, just dislodged um, mm. from the Spanish, and um, and then the Mexicans, and then the Americans. So they're, they're the Kits people used to live where Dahlia Drive is, and it used to be a da- it used to be a Dahlia farm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, you must be asked, Wendy, about what you're going to do now. I mean, this is over 16 years of, of Dahlia Drive. I mean. It, how are you going to spend your time after after uh, you retire from this project, say? Well, you know, and, and I've sort of it, I've been trying to use the continuation um, analogy of of Thich Nhat Hanh, right? Which is that there's it's sort of Happy Continuation Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure. I'm really open to uh, there's always going to be other forms of expression, but probably on a less um, Monetary or um, or um, let's see what's the word I'm trying to think of about a recognition level, yeah. right? Like a, so, out of the recognition of the work that I do, just to do the work, just because um, I want to do the work, and inspired by that. Uh, uh, there's a an older gentleman um, that he's passed now, but he used to do with paintings, and he just, just used to put them out on the street. So people could yeah. pass by and take them. Right. So I feel, I, I feel that that's a great way to go. I mean, it, at a certain age, it seems to me, which I'm very grateful to have reached the age I am, and who knows how much older I'll get, but to realize that it really, those kinds of things that were once important about, let's say, recognition or, or about money aren't really that important. The most important thing is to do the practice, right, and yeah. to be with people that you love. So um, that's where I'm heading. Just put it out on the street. Maybe somebody will pick it up. What? Um, because this is also this is this is an artist practice. This is art. This is creating art. This is also work for for a number of years now. Um, mm-hmm. How have you found it in terms of say you know when when creativity doesn't strike when when it is a little more challenging to work and, and come up with a new design even and things like that? How how would how did you find yourself in terms of? Uh, what would you do in, when you need to recharge, say, and and and, and gain something new, or, or or you know, be able to work, say, longer, or, or or you know, more productively even? Well, that's interesting. I I guess I've never really um, struggled much with um, mu- finding muses that interest me, or um, I, I would probably say that I've had more of those. I've had a bigger, probably a larger struggle with being sort of recognized for making a certain something, Mm -hmm. right? And the expectation that that is going to continue in some way. So more the limitations of that, of that than, than ideas of what else I could do. So I, if that makes sense, I'm, I'm trying not to be um, cavalier about the fact that I'll be losing um, I'm losing clients that are interested in what I do in a certain way. And mm-hmm. now I'm not making for those clients anymore. And that's a loss, right? So now I don't have a client base, let's say. 
But on the other hand, having a client base, which I'm very grateful for as well, is also limiting because there are expectations about what I'm, what I do and what I'm supposed to do. So I, I'm ready to let go of that part just mm. to create. Now, I might be completely wrong now that I don't have an audience. Uh, this may not be, this might be a real, real short so, solo act. I have no idea. But I, I don't, I don't think so. I think that there are, so that's, that's more my issue. It's not ideas or how I would do those ideas. It's for whom am I doing it? And, and do it, does it, does that really matter to me? Yeah. That sort of, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, what it sounds like, Wendy, is that, that um, you won't be at a loss for long because I think someone like you who's, who's infinitely creative, um, yeah. will be able to find something that they'll like to do, and, and uh, who knows what this next act will be. And, and um, we'll look forward to finding out, you know, what you've created. Me too. <laughs> but you're right. There'll be some, there, will, there will be something. I've got grandkids. Uh-huh. I've got gardens. You know, I, I, there's, the, the potential is endless, to be honest with you. And so, um, and I'm, to be the other thing that I'm kind of very conscious of that, at 68, is that um, and uh, the Dalai Lama, I read in this book that I was reading, that he said, someone asked him at 55, what was, he, what was the next thing he was going to do? And he said he was going to prepare for death. And the person was kind of um, surprised by that, and, and I thought, well, that's very interesting, because I do, uh, as being a curious person, I'm curious about many things, and I do kind of see letting go of this passion of mine for 16 years as a kind of um, death, right? And I think of it as pre- uh, preparation for my own, in a way, that letting things come and go, letting there be, rather than what seems to be in the world, that we have to hang and hold on tight to what we've gained or what we've become or how much money we make, and just letting that kind of, uh, go up and down and flow. So I'm quite being quite philosophical there about letting things go, and that's where I'm heading. Yeah. Well, I'll let you go and and, and um, on your the rest of your day and, and see, see what you, you'll create. And and I know a lot of people look forward to seeing you at Circle Craft Fair. Wendy, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. All yeah. the best and and continued good luck with everything. Thank you so much. It was. Uh, yeah, you're a great at your job, so thank you so much for your questions. The 2023 Circle Craft Holiday Market is uh, at the Vancouver Convention Center West starting Wednesday, the 8th of November, running through to Sunday, the 12th. Visit circlecraft.ca for tickets and information. Wendy Van Riesen, join me on the line from uh, Powell River in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.